Good morning. And happy Father's Day to all of our dads out there. You know what I love about this hot, hot weather? You can grill your hamburgers without ever turning the grill on. You know? And think how much money you're saving on your heating bill. You know? Yeah, you'll get that one later. Okay. Well, I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to uh, be in this series about relationships. Last week, we started with our first message about what love is, and our first message was love leads, love leads. And if you'll remember, if you were here, it was a message about taking responsibility for loving those people who are close to you. Love leads means I'm not going to wait for the other person to love me. I'm going to initiate and I'm going to begin to love them as Christ loved me. That was last week. It was a very foundational message. Uh, All of us have to take the lead in loving. And so if you haven't listened to that message, it's available online. And we would encourage you to listen to that because it it kind of builds throughout the series. So today we're going to talk about how love fights. Father's Day, right? Love fights. Right. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's not about fighting in your relationships, but about fighting for your relationships. And so we're going to talk about how to fight for your relationships. Uh, But before we do, let's jump into the main text of the of the uh, series. And it's found in the book of John. And Jesus, again, is talking to his disciples, uh, just the 11. Now, Judas had left the room and now the 11 are there. And he says, a new command I give you. Remember what the old command was. Um, The old command was love your neighbor as yourself. The new command is love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. So this new command, the, the focus of this new command is to love one another, meaning the people who are close to you. Those people in your immediate family, in your small group. Uh, those, those people in your sphere of influence, Jesus is saying, I want you to learn to love them. Okay. It's like Jesus was telling this to who the 11 disciples, those people who were closest to him, learn to love one another. He said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, this idea of being able to love one another is great. We can go, yeah, I'm pumped. We're going to love each other. But until you first learn to receive the love of God, you can't give the love of God. We talked about this a bit last week, and it's it's so true that if we if we have not been well loved, we can't love well. Okay, so first we have to be well loved by God, our father, before we can love one another. As he's loved us. And this idea of God our Father loving us is kind of weird and awkward for, for many of us. Um, maybe you're here today and, and your relationship with your earthly father was, was just hard. Uh, maybe you were abused or, you, or, or, or just, uh, your, your dad was just wasn't there. Or, and some of you here this morning, you've never met your biological father. You don't know who he is. I, I've got some good news for you this morning. Check this out. Jesus, this came to me a few months ago. Jesus never met his biological father either. Because he never had one. The Bible says that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary and she gave birth to a son. Jesus did not have a biological father. Joseph was not his father. 
Joseph was not his father. In fact, nowhere in the Bible will you see uh, Joseph described as Jesus's father. Never is he called his father. He's only called the husband of Mary. So here's what here's what trips me out a little bit. Here you have Jesus had no he's never met his biological father because he didn't have one. And yet he becomes this extremely powerful person. This person who who took responsibility for his life and his choices. He became extremely successful in life. And the Bible says he grew and he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. But here's a guy who never met his dad. Never had a physical, hey, that's my dad. Never called Joseph his dad. And yet he was a huge success. <laughs> so you're here this morning, you go, man, I am who I am and here's why. And I didn't have this and I didn't have that. I get that. I understand that. I understand how that can wound and cripple and all of that. But at some point you have to go, you know what? Love leads. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to do what Jesus said. Listen, at the age of 12... At the age of 12, Jesus, he knew something. His parents had come to Jerusalem to celebrate this big feast called Passover. They left. They went back to Nazareth. About a day into their journey home, they realized Jesus wasn't with them. <laughs> How's that for helicopter parenting? <laughs> we lost Jesus. <laughs> and they traveled in groups back then. And the whole clan, the whole village would go up to Jerusalem together. And they would come back together. And so, you know, it took a village to raise a family. And they believed it. And it's true. And so Jesus, they thought Jesus was just hanging out with his relatives. And they start asking the relative, where's Jesus? I don't know. I haven't seen him for days. So they realize Jesus isn't with the caravan. So they get, they go back to Jerusalem and they, three days, it takes three days. How about your kids missing for three days? 12 year old, three days. Where's, where's Jesus? They go to the temple. There he is. And what's Jesus doing in the temple? The Bible says he's sitting, he's sitting there in the temple. Check this out. And he's listening to the teachers and he's asking questions. Listen, hear me, teenagers. You want to know how to grow in wisdom <laughs> in favor with God and man? Sit in the temple, talk to the teachers, ask questions, listen. But that's not the point here. The main point is this. Jesus knew something that day that he revealed that his parents at that point, Joseph and Mary, they didn't even get it. And they came to him and they said, Jesus, we've been looking for you. You had us freaked out. Where have you been? And he said, man, didn't you know? <laughs> didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? He wasn't talking about the carpenter shop. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? My father's house. And, and the Bible says they didn't understand what he was saying. Jesus revealed something that day. Listen, you can be a fatherless son. Jesus was like a fatherless son. No earthly. You can be a fatherless son and you can grow. You can become a powerful person. How? Because you understand who your father is. So whether you've had an abusive relationship or an absentee relationship, you have a father this morning <laughs> and his name is God. He's your heavenly father. And what we need to discover is we need to discover the voice of that other father. 
You're used to hearing the father, your earthly father, or maybe you've never heard his voice. We need to learn the other voice, the voice of our heavenly father. And one day, check this out. The day Jesus was baptized in water, there was this loud voice from heaven. And the loud voice said, this is my son. This is my boy (laughs) whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine God saying that about you? You're my son, you're my daughter, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. A lot of times we hear this other voice. Yeah, you're my son, whom I tolerate. And with you, well, I'm never happy with you, right? Or, and with you, you know, I'm always disappointed. I'm always disappointed. And sometimes we hear that voice more than we hear the Father's voice. Are you with me this morning? I have realized that when I get critical of my children and I start treating them like they can't do anything right, listen, it's because I can't do anything right. At least that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, I can't do anything right. I'm a failure. I keep screwing up. Everything I try to do, it just doesn't work out right. And what happens is, I really believe that about me. And so now I believe that about you. And so I take this and I go, you know what? Now, Levi, you can't get it right. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? And I began to realize one day, you know what? The the reason I'm saying that about him is because I'm saying that about me. I have this voice in my head that says, you're just never good enough. You're never going to make it right. Are you with me this morning? So what happens is you need to look at your relationships like mirrors. And and when you treat people a certain way, ask yourself, why? Why do I say those things? Why do I do those things? And oftentimes we do those because that's actually what we say to ourselves. We don't even realize it. What if I really believed you are my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased? If we believe it, then we begin to say it. Not only am I blessed, but everybody that's close around me gets blessed as well. They get to hear those words too. Amen. And so here's what we do. We have to lead ourselves to a place to receive those love messages from God. We have to tear down the walls. We have to do whatever it takes to get to that place where we go, that's me. That's who I am. Some of you get to hear that this morning. I hope that was for you. So now let's jump into love fights. All right. I love fighting. We're going to have a big fight after church today uh, out in the parking lot. So come join us. You know, it's like the school, school, you know, yard fights after school. Somebody's fighting. Everybody's there. They got to see the big fight, right? Love fights. What does that mean? We're not fighting each other. We're fighting for each other. We're fighting for relationship. Okay. Love fights means this. We never give up fighting for the relationship. Love fights. We never give up fighting to love one another. To fight means to contend. Let me read the definition. It's a good one. To fight means to contend or strive vigorously for or against something. Uh, When I think of fighting, I think of boxing. And I'm reminding of the movie uh, uh, Cinderella Man. Great movie. Russell Crowe, he is the uh, star actor in this movie. And he is a a fighter. He's a boxer. and, 
And uh, it's during the Depression era and people are hurting and there's no jobs and the kids are getting hungry and he has to do something to provide for the family. So he puts the gloves back on, he gets back into the ring and he starts fighting again. And uh, one day a reporter interviews him and and they say, sir, why is it? What, what, what is the, what is it that you fight for? Why do you fight? What do you fight for? Was the question. And his answer was simple. He said, milk. I fight for milk. (laughs) He was that desperate. Let me ask you this morning. What are you fighting for in your relationships? What are you fighting for? What are you trying to reach? And what are you trying to achieve? Every one of us is fighting for one of two things in our relationships. We're either fighting for connection or fighting for disconnection. Let me explain that to you. Some of you here this morning, you're fighting for for disconnection. You're trying to create a safe distance from people close to you. Each moment of each day, you are measuring how much distance you need to feel safe around each other. Sometimes the necessary distance that you're trying to get is is very small, and other times it's a it's a great distance. But your current goal or what your current fi- you're currently fighting for is a safe distance from people, not a safe connection. So what are you fighting for in your relationships? Are you fighting for that connection, that safe connection, or are you fighting for safe distance? At one point in our marriage, uh, I became very aware that I stopped fighting for connection and I started to fight for distance. One day, Carrie said to me, she goes, you know what? I feel like you're not fighting for us anymore. You're not fighting for the relationship anymore. And she, is, she was right. I had, on the inside, I had kind of given up and I had started to think, you know what? We're having the same conversations over and over again. We talk about the same issues over and over again and we don't seem to get anywhere. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? And you get tired at some point. Man, we've talked about this. We're not getting anywhere with this. And I, and I started feeling like, you know what? She's never going to understand me, right? And I'm never going to understand her. <laughs> I felt that way. She's not here today. She'll, she's, you know, safe. It's okay. She's, <laughs> she's on personal retreat last few days and getting refreshed and stuff. So anyway, so, so I felt this way. We'll never understand each other. And so I thought, you know, why try? And so at that point, I just kind of shut down on the inside and I I just gave up fighting for connection. And one day she said to me, she goes, you know, Walt, I I understand you you can't share with me what's going on on the inside of you. You've given up on that. She said, but you need to find somebody, somebody you can trust. Somebody who you can can open up and you can share your heart with a, a friend or a counselor. You need to find somebody. And she and I said, you know what, you're right, I'm going to do that. And so I met with a professional counselor and I walked into his office, I sat on his couch and I pulled out my notes. <laughs> and my notes, you know, it was kind of, here's what I think is broken, here's what I think it needs to be fixed. Uh, you know, I'm used to being in that seat, right? So... And he listened real nice for, for 20 minutes while I was paying him well. And, and, uh, and then he finally asked this question and it was a great question. He says... He says, Walt, tell me, what do you and your wife share? What do you and your wife share? And I, and I thought, well, what does that mean? So I asked him, what do you mean by that? And he said, 
what do you and your wife share? <laughs> he didn't want to explain it. I thought, okay, what do we share? So I started going through the list. Well, we share the same faith. Okay. We share the responsibility of raising our kids. We share the same financial goals. That's a good thing, right? And at the end of my list of what we share, he said, he said, do you realize that, that you never talked about sharing your feelings? You never talked about sharing your fears with your spouse. Never talked about sharing your hopes and your dreams. You never talked about sharing your heart with her heart to heart. Everything that you share sounds like it's on the outside. Do you share anything that's on the inside? Right? How many of you know that if you're going to have true intimacy in any kind of relationship, whether you're married or single, there has to be um, this heart sharing with another person. There has to be this real person with a real person sharing their life with one another, sharing their heart with one another. And if you don't have real and real coming together and sharing, you don't have intimacy. We're not talking about naked bodies. We're talking about naked hearts. We're talking about intimacy where where you can be completely real with another person and they're going to accept you and they're going to love you for who you are, warts and all, right? That's intimacy. God created us for that kind of connection. He created us for that kind of intimacy. And I had shut down and I, I had I was fighting for disconnection more than I was fighting for connection. And the counselor encouraged me. He says, you know what? He said, I, I want to encourage you to put your heart out there. Look for ways where you can share what's going on inside of here with your spouse. And, I, and I, at that moment, I thought, you know what? This relationship is worth fighting for. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to risk my heart again. I'm going to risk being hurt, right? But listen, that's what love does. Love fights for that connection. Some of you here today, you've given up fighting for that connection. You're like, it's too much work. Now you're fighting for distance. And every day you're measuring, how far can I say, stay away from this person emotionally to feel safe? Not, not how close can I draw to this person emotionally to feel loved? In the heart of every person, deep down, there is this desire for connection. And it's because God put it there. He put it there. Maybe you're here today and you're ready to start fighting for that relationship again. You're, just, you're ready to start fighting for connection once again. I want to tell you how to start fighting for that connection. How do you do it? How does love fight for this connection? Well, our model, of course, is Jesus himself, right? As I have loved you, as I have fought for connection for you, so you should fight for connection with one another. And so he's our model. And to begin with, love fights for connection by first... Love fights in prayer. Two simple things today. This is the first. Love fights in prayer. For Jesus, love's battle was won in the garden where he prayed, not on the cross where he died. Love's battle was won in the garden. It was won in prayer. James Whitaker, who was the first American to ever reach the summit 
of Mount Everest. He was once asked, he said, somebody asked him, how did you conquer the mountain? And he said, he said, you never conquer this mountain. He said, you first conquer yourself. And after that, the mountain has lost the battle. And in the same way, it was in the Garden of Gethsemane where, where the cross lost the battle. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus conquered himself and he died. It was in the Garden. It was in the, it was in the private place, not the public place. The private place of the Garden, not the public place of the cross where, where love won the battle. See, if you're going to fight for connection, you have to begin with learning how to fight in prayer. That's the first place where you battle. That's where you battle for connection. And Jesus, let's read his prayer there in the garden. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Jesus prayed this. He said, my father, if it is possible, may this cup, meaning cup of suffering, be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. This is where the battle was fought. It was in prayer where Jesus gave up the right to be right. It was in prayer where Jesus gave up his needs for your needs. It was in prayer where Jesus said, you know what? It's not about me, Father. It's about you and about the people you gave me to love. It's in prayer that we begin fighting for relationships. We get in prayer and we say, devil, you're not going to steal, kill, and destroy this one. I'm praying the life of God back into this marriage. I'm praying the life of God back into this relationship I have with my friend or my child. You go to prayer and you fight and you surrender your will and you surrender your desires and you surrender your needs and you surrender your dreams and you say, God, I want what you want for this relationship, not what I want, whatever it takes. We fight on our knees before we fight on our feet. We don't fight in the kitchen. We don't fight in the bedroom or the boardroom. We fight in the prayer room. That's where we pray. That's where we fight for connection. You understand that prayer didn't change Jesus' circumstances that day. It changed him. He still went to the cross, but he was dead long before he got there. Love fights begins in prayer. I want to ask you this morning, are you fighting in relationships or are you fighting for your relationships? Listen, when I'm hitting the wall and I feel like I'm fighting everybody around me, everybody I love that I shouldn't be fighting with, I go to I go to my I go to my man cave. Come on, men. You go to your man cave. It might be your vehicle on the way to work. I don't know. It's this place, this private place. I go to that place and it's that place where I do battle. It's that that's the place where I fight. And the first person that has to be conquered is me. God wants to change me in that place and he wants to turn my heart away from me towards that other person. And how many of you know only God can do that? It's in that private place where God touches my heart so I can touch your heart. Find that place. Fight for that place. Love fights in prayer. But love also fights, here's the second point, in partnership. 
Love fights in partnership. Remember, Jesus wasn't the only person in the Garden of Gethsemane. There were 11 others, his disciples, his best friends. He surrounded himself with the men that he trusted. And he said something, something very vulnerable to, to them. And I want you to see this. It's found in Matthew chapter 26, verse number 38. He said this. He said to them, my soul, that's your, your mind, your will, and your emotions. He said, my soul is overwhelmed. When's the last time you've told somebody about your soul, what's going on inside. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And then he said this to them. He said, stay here and keep watch with me. Stay here and keep watch with me. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you were, you were in a bad spot? You were in a bad place. And you knew that if you were by your, if you were by yourself, if you were by alone, by, uh, uh, if you were alone, that you might do something that would not be good. And so you got you got you got around you some people that you could trust, right? And you say, you know what? I'm in a bad place right now. I can you watch? Can you watch and be with me? Can you watch and pray with me? I've had I've had those phone calls. I've had people call me and say, you know what? I'm not in a good spot right now. Can we meet? Or it's not good that I'm alone, right? You know, you understand what I'm saying? Jesus was in a bad place in his soul. He was in this wrestle, but not even just by himself. He understood that I'm not just going to fight in prayer, but I got to fight in partnership with people around me that I can trust. And sometimes that means you've got to pick up the phone and set up an appointment with a counselor. Yeah. I'm talking about meeting with somebody you've never met before and telling them things you never told anybody else on the planet. That's a good thing. Can be a real good thing. Listen to me. When you are sick in body, what do you do? You go to the doctor. Is there any shame in going to the doctor when you're sick in body? Is there any shame in going to a counselor when you're sick in relationships? There shouldn't be any shame attached to that. Listen, love fights means I'm going to lay down my pride. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to do whatever it takes because the tools in my tool belt are not adequate to fix what's broken right now. I need to go to somebody who's got some tools that I don't have. And, and they're going to help me. They're going to give me, hey, try this tool. Try, try opening up your heart a little bit. Hmm, well, okay. You know, they're going to, they're going to give some advice. Listen. When you're sick in body or you're sick in relationship, you're hurting. And both doctors and counselors are trained professionals to help people deal with the pain in their bodies and in their relationships. It's a good thing. Well, pastor, I just don't have the money for counseling. Right? I just can't afford to go to counseling. I've heard that one before, right? But I'll, I'll fight to make that boat payment. I'll fight to make that truck payment. I'll fight to go on that vacation. But I won't fight for this relationship because I can't afford it. It's just way too expensive. So you have to get to the place where, you know what? This has got to change. Or maybe I should say, this has got to change. I didn't say, honey, we're going to marriage counseling. I said, I'm going to counseling. You know, you got your issues. I got mine. Let's both work on them. We'll come back together and we'll be one big happy family. But until then, let's get healthy. (laughs) 
So ladies, take the initiative. Get, don't say, well, we got to go to... Maybe you do. But how about you start with you? How about you lead yourself? How about you say, you know what? I'm going to say no to this financially so I can say yes to... It's going to cost me. I might have to do that. How valuable... I'm running out of words. It's a third service. How valuable is this thing? Right? Listen, at some point you have to go, I'm fighting for this relationship. It's going to cost me something. Jesus sweat. He sweat uh, blood in the garden. Drops that were like blood. It's going to cost you financially. It's going to cost you your pride. But it's going to save your relationship. God, fix this thing that's broken in me. And whoever you want to use to fix it, God, use whoever, Lord. So we got to get in partnership with one another. One of the greatest partners that God has given me in, in life is my wife. It's the greatest partnership that he's given to me. But I'll tell you this. It's the most difficult one as well. <laughs> me, my, oh, my. Woo. <laughs> listen, and the problem, listen, and the difficulty is it's not living with her that's hard. It's living with me. It's living with me. I lived with me before I lived with her. But I didn't have to deal with me when I lived with me and not with her. I could just kind of ignore me, what's going on in the inside. I didn't have to die. All, you could hide your emotions and you could nice, safe distance, big bubble around you. And you go through life with big bubbles. But when you get married, pop goes the bubble. And, and you're emotionally naked now. Woohoo! I'm uncomfortable with this, right? And you're trying to cover your shame and your emotional nakedness. And all of a sudden, you've got this other person in your life. And, 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 and it's like very, and they're like, know everything. And, and it's, it's hard, right? So here's the deal. God, God, that's God's gift in your life. Relationships. God gives us relationships to help us become more like Jesus. He gives us relationships to sharpen one another. The Bible says, as iron sharpens one another, right? So one person sharpens another. And in that sharpening process, there's heat, there's friction, it hurts, it's ouch, it's this and that. But you come back, you come out of that a sharper person. And you come out with a greater connection in your relationships, a healthy connection. And that's why God, my, my wife, she is great. At, listen, when I came into marriage, I brought in a whole bunch of bags. I mean, all of my bags were over 80 pounds. I had to pay the extra money to get them on the plane. You, you don't understand what I'm saying? It was like they were packed. I had all kinds of emotional stuff that I didn't even know I had in these bags. And my wife, I learned this, is she's really good at unpacking bags. When we get home from a vacation... Let me bring it down to the natural. We're OCD about getting our bags unpacked. We don't want that dirty laundry sitting in the house or sitting in that bag any longer than it has to. As soon as we get home from vacation, okay, everybody get your dirty laundry and in a big pile right by the washing machine. And we're doing laundry after laundry after laundry because we don't want this stuff stinking up our house any longer than it has to. So when it comes to baggage in our family, after a family vacation, we're dealing with our baggage, man. We're getting those bags unpacked. We're going to empty those bags. Are you with me this morning? And so we have to have the same approach in our, in our relationships with one another. We have to say, you know, what? we're not going to let that laundry sit there and stink, right? 
we're going we're gonna to open our bags and we're, and we're going to be, you know what? I love you no matter what's in your bag. I'm not going to go, oh, that stinks worse than I thought. Woo! How long have you been? I can't believe. How in the world? What were you thinking? You know, all this kind of stuff. Now we have to say, you know what? Ah, I got stinky laundry too. You, you got to see what's in my bag. You know what I'm saying? See, we can't have connection and intimacy unless we're willing to unpack our bags. We got to be okay with that. We got to be okay with that. We got to fight for that kind of connection. My wife loves to keep things simple around the house too. She's like really into simplicity. And, and for years, we, um, our, our, our bedroom mattresses, we didn't have a frame for our bedroom mattresses. They were just set in the floor. She said, what do you need, what do you need frames for? Bed works fine without a frame. You know, real simple. In our house, if it's not used in six months, it goes to go goodwill. So I pretend I need things that are in the house and I, and I use them just so they don't end up in the goodwill pile. And she goes through my closet and she goes, you know, that's out of style and, and that doesn't fit you anymore. And so she keeps, otherwise our house would be just full of baggage, right? Emotionally, isn't it wonderful? We can go, you know what? That, that doesn't fit you anymore. You don't need that in your closet. It's out of style too. It doesn't fit you anymore. That's who you used to be. That's not who you are anymore. Hey, that's what love does. It gets in our bags and it says, that's not you. That's not you anymore. Let's take that to goodwill. We'll get a tax credit for that. You know, that kind of thing. So that's what we do. And it's sometimes hard. A lot of times it's hard to do. But listen, if we're going to fight for this kind of love connection with one another, we have to fight in partnership. We have to be willing to unpack some bags, and we also have to be willing to carry each other's burdens. Derek Redman is a tremendous athlete. He was a, a fantastic sprinter. Back in 1992, he competed in the Olympic Games in Barcelona. And he was running that day the 400-meter race. And they expected him to medal, probably get the gold in that race that day. He was in the best shape of his life. You're going to watch the video of the race right now as we close our service. And in this video, you're going to notice uh, Derek Redmond. He's in aisle, or not aisle, but uh, the lane five in, around the track. He's in five. And he's wearing these bright, orange, or bright blue spandex shorts. So notice him in the video. Let's watch the race. There he is, right there in the blue shorts. About 150 meters into the race, Derek begins to feel the searing pain in the back of his leg. He falls to his knee and he begins to realize that he has just pulled his hamstring in the greatest race of his life. He decides, you know what, I'm going to finish this race. So he gets up, makes his way to the finish line.
breaking through security. This man, he comes and he runs and he comes alongside Derek. son. He says, you don't have to do this. Derek says, yes, I do, Dad. And at that moment, Dad says, okay, then we're going to run this race. We're going to finish this race together. And they make their way towards the finish line. Father and son. There are 65,000 people in the stands that day watching this live. They stand to their feet and they give this huge standing ovation to Father and Son as they finish the race together. It's a beautiful picture of, of how, how love fights in partnership. And the first time I saw that, um, just the, well, not the first time, but I saw it again a few days ago, and I just, I just cried bucket of tears. I, I just cried, and I wept, and I cried out to God, and I said, God, forgive me for all the times that I didn't fight for my kids. Forgive me for the times, God, that I didn't climb out of the grandstands and I didn't push away the security people and I didn't make and I didn't fight to be there and I didn't fight to partner with my kids and to love them the way they needed to be loved. And I said, God, forgive me. God, forgive me for those times where they were hurt and I didn't come alongside them and put my arm around them and say, you know what, we're going to finish this together. Sometimes I was the one who caused the hurt. Sometimes I'm the one that caused the pain. God, forgive me. God, help me to be the kind of father, the kind of friend. Right? The kind of spouse, the kind of person that, that fights in partnership for people. God, help us to not give up. Help us to not give up to fight for connection. We've got to value that partnership. We've got to value that prayer place. Here's why, here's why love fights. Love fights because love never fails. Love never fails. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13. Love never fails. And that's why I keep fighting. And you say, you know what, Pastor? I have been fighting for love. I've been fighting for this relationship. But this relationship ended. So love doesn't always win. Love doesn't always never fail. Sometimes it does fail. No, love fails when we stop loving. Love fails when we fail to love. I can't promise you this. I can't promise that your relationships will be restored. I can't promise you that your marriage is going to hold together. 
I can't promise you that if, if you love like Jesus loved, but I can promise you this. I can promise you that God will be pleased and God will be glorified. And, and everyone will know that you are disciples of Jesus by your love for one another. I can promise you that. And that is why we fight to love. We don't always get what we want. We don't always get the relationship that we dreamed of. But we do know this. There's going to be a day where we stand before God in heaven. And I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear him say, well done. You loved as I have loved you. Listen, people may not love you back. People, the relationship may not be restored. But they're going to know that you've got something. They're going to know you've got Jesus. They're going to know you've got a love that's incredible. Even if they don't respond to it. I want to fight for connection. How about you this morning? I want to fight for those who are close to me. I don't want to give up on loving. I don't want to give up on, on that person. I don't want to do that because Jesus didn't do that. He fought for connection with me. It began in prayer. And then also in partnership. If you're here this morning and you want, you want me to pray with you as I pray for me. Right? Love fights and where? Prayer. Love fights and prayer. That's where it begins with. And if there's a relationship you want to fight for in prayer this morning, I want you to stand to your feet right where you're at. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Just stand right where you're at. You're fighting for a relationship and you realize, you know what? I've got to fight this thing in prayer. I want to do what Jesus did and I want to fight for this thing. God, we just come together right now. We're in our little garden of Gethsemane, God, right where we're standing here this morning. We're calling that a little private place, God. And God, we are not going to fight with that person. We're going to fight for that person, God. God, we in this place of prayer, we surrender the right to be right this morning. We surrender our needs for the needs of the other person, God. God, we say not my will, but your will be done. Not my desire for this relationship, but your desire be done, God. And God, I just, I just commit that relationship. I turn it over to you, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, I am not going to give up. I'm going to fight for this relationship in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to say with me, I will never give up fighting to love you. Amen. I will never give up fighting to love you. Hallelujah. Just like Jesus never gave up fighting, right? to love us. He never gave up fighting for that connection to love us. Father, we thank you this morning for your word to us, God. I pray that when we go from this place, God, we would leave better lovers having been better loved. God, give us the fight. Give us the fight, Lord, we pray, to keep loving. Give us the fight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Lord, we bless you today. You could be here today, and I, and I want to just say this. Everybody hold steady for just a moment. Very important question. Is God your heavenly father today? You have an earthly father. You may have met him. You may never have met him. But the question is, do you have a heavenly father today? Do you have a father 
who will never leave you and never forsake you. If you, if you say, you know, I'm not sure that God is my father, or I know, I, I know he's not my father today, I want you to know today is the day of salvation. This is the day that you can be saved. This is the day that you can become a son or a daughter of God. And you can have now two fathers, an earthly father and a heavenly father. And if that's you and you're here today and you know God is not your father, but you want him to be your father, You want to hear those words, well done. You want to hear those words, you are my son or you are my daughter. I love you and I am well pleased with you. If that's you today, I'm going to invite you to come and pray with one of our prayer workers. If you would like prayer for anything else, we're here to pray for you today. Prayer workers, if you would come. I want you to have a blessed Father's Day today. And I want you to remember today that you have a Father in heaven who loves you unconditionally. God bless you and have a wonderful day in Jesus.